0: How are you guys? Good. We're going to turn up the lights so that you're not in the dark so we can preach. You all ready? I'm excited to be preaching today. Um, We are working on a new series. Um, Today begins the day of the new series, and it's called the Gospel of the Kingdom. Um, So say Gospel of the Kingdom. That's what we're talking about. And who knows, in 20, 30 minutes, there's, I don't have a chance. (laughs) There's no, no possible way. There's way too much to discuss today. Um, So what my purpose is today is to kind of lay the foundation and kind of get things ready so that we can begin to explore some different pieces of the gospel of the kingdom. So there's tons of theology that goes into this. There's tons of, gosh, there's so much, and and we're not trying to go deep into those things. But I want to lay the foundation so that we can get ready to drop some things and, and pull out some deep stuff. So. Raise your hand if you watch The Curse of Oak Island on History Channel. Woo! Ooh, you're my friend. You're my friend. You're my friend. Who else? Who else? Anybody else? You're my friend. Okay. So if you don't know, raise your hand if you've never heard of The Curse of Oak Island. Oh. Okay. You're still my friends because you haven't heard of it. Raise your hand if you've seen it once, but then you were like, forget this. <laughs> okay. I'm still your friend. It's okay. But um, we would be better friends if we watched it together. Okay. So it's one of my favorite shows. Um, thanks, David Parker, for telling me about it. Um, years ago. So this place is in Nova Scotia. It's called Oak Island, and it's on History Channel, and it's a reality show about these guys who, when they were children, six years old, they read a a Reader's Digest um, about this story of buried treasure on Oak Island, and how these people had found this note that said, here below lies uh, buried treasure. And so they began to dig, and every 10 feet, there was a huge deck of wood that dropped 10 feet, and it was like a big plank of woods, and it went down hundreds of feet, right? Well, when they got too far down, they triggered a booby trap that triggered a floodgate, which flooded everything. And ever since that time, people have been spending their lives trying to get to the bottom of what's called the money pit. okay? And um, lots, several people have... have uh, well, we don't need to talk about that, but it's amazing. And so these brothers, they were six years old like forever ago, and today they're grandparents, my grandparents' age, right? No, uh, my parents' age. Thank you. And so they've, they have spent millions, millions of dollars dedicating their life to find out what's at the bottom of this treasure pit. And so they have this place called the Money Pit. They made this huge flat area where they can do a lot of work on it. They bulldozed everything out, made it perfectly flat. And then they have this machine that they custom built that drops these six-foot-wide cans hundreds of feet into the earth, and they go 200 feet down to bedrock. And then they stick this grabber down in the can, and they pull out all the stuff that's inside the earth, okay? Okay. And when they pull stuff out, when they get to like 180 feet down under the earth, they're pulling out these giant logs like trees from hundreds and hundreds of years ago that they're saying are pointing towards the 1500s, the 1600s. And there was some major, major, major thing that happened hundreds of years ago that they're trying to get to the bottom of. Okay, it's amazing. So they drop these cans in this one spot, go down, find out what's there. They move it, drop it down. That's what we're doing today. We're preparing the foundation, and then Rachel is going to be dropping some cans down to explore different pieces of the gospel of the kingdom so we can explore what the Bible says about it. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Anybody going to go home and try to watch it? Yeah. Thank you. All right. Um, it's a great show. All right. So we've got a few scriptures about the, about, not the curse of Oka. <laughs> Jesus, please. (laughs) Um, Okay, so (laughs) focus. Um, They found a cross from the 1300s, (laughs) the Knights Templar. Okay, stop. Okay, Mark 1.15. Jesus talks a lot about the gospel of the kingdom. Mark 1.15 is one of those times where Jesus is talking about and He comes out and he's telling the people, the kingdom is at hand, so repent and believe the gospel. Right? The kingdom is at hand, and Jesus is hollering at these people. He's showing up on the scene. He's like, guys, it is here. Come on, believe, put your faith in action, and see that there's more to see. Jesus was constantly talking about, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, there is more for you. Can you see it? And he's kind of like, he knew something secret, and he would tell this little story and be like, huh? Dig a little deeper. It's there. Open your eyes. If you dig down, you can find it for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And most people glazed on by it, but a few people grabbed a hold. Another scripture is Matthew 4, 23. Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and then he's proving that the gospel of the kingdom is here by healing the sick. and. Casting out demons and bringing salvation to people. Again, in Matthew nine thirty-five, Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he's doing so by healing the sick and, and healing people, setting them free, raising the dead. Matthew 24, at the, at the end of the gospels, Jesus says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed unto all of the nations, and then the end will come. Amen? Who's ready for that day? Come on, Jesus. Come on back. But the gospel of the kingdom will continue to be proclaimed until that very day. All right? So, what is the gospel of the kingdom? It's a huge topic. Excuse me, it's a huge topic, and it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. So, let's just look at the words. The word gospel in the Greek, it's eugelion. And it means good message or glad tidings, okay? Uh, It's the reward for glad tidings. It is um, glad tidings of salvation of God's kingdom of the gospel. So imagine it like this. Tuesday night, (coughs) I'm at home. Callie just comes back from gymnastics, okay? And she comes in the door. Bam! Dad, guess what? I'm like, what? (laughs) She's like, I did my first handstand. She's freaking out, okay? The gospel is the good news it's this moment of guess what (laughs) all right so picture that in your mind when we're talking about jesus proclaiming guys oh my gosh have you seen have you heard do you understand good news okay so that's the gospel The kingdom, the Greek word is basilia, and this points to royalty or the rule or the realm, the royal power, the kingship, the dominion and rule. It means the territory subject to the rule of a king. So back in the Chinese empire, when they built the Great Wall of China, of these hundreds of miles, you very clearly knew where the kingdom of China was because there was this huge line. And everything past this was the kingdom of China. Throughout the Roman Empire, you had them basically taking over the earth, and they're advancing with military strength and brilliant strategy to go into places that are not their kingdom to prepare them to um, enjoy the way that the Roman Empire was living, and then they give them the chance to either become Roman or we'll just kill you all. What do you choose, right? And they have this brilliant strategy, and they essentially take over the world, right? Their kingdom expanded. So... The kingdom of the gospel of the kingdom is the kingdom of Jesus. Everywhere that the rule of Jesus is happening, that is his kingdom. And sometimes that's areas on the earth and sometimes that's in the heavenlies. But his kingdom is all over the place and it's constantly expanding. It's constantly being pushed forward and moving forward in different ways. And it grows in lots of different ways. So the good news, it's about the reign of King Jesus on the earth, in heaven, proven by miracles, healings, deliverance, and salvation, all right? And the good news is, guess what? Guys, oh my goodness. You are invited into the family of God. You don't have to be by yourself. You can come and live your entire life with the king of all kings, with the best father in the whole wide world. You can enter into his home. You don't have to pay the price of your own sins. You can be with God forever. And for you, there is healing, there is salvation, there is joy, there is deliverance, there is direction, there is guidance, there is hope. There is everything that you need to have a great, abundant life. It is all available for you. The invitation has been put out. Amen? So this is the gospel of the kingdom. Let's dig a little deeper because it's still pretty vague. So Jesus says we're supposed to imitate him in proclaiming all of the goodness all of the days of our life. But practically, what is the gospel of the kingdom? So, again, Jesus is saying, if you have eyes to see, ears to hear. So do you this morning have eyes to see and ears to hear? Right now you're sitting in Oklahoma City. You're sitting next to your friend who may or may not have showered this morning. You're like in the flesh. You are here. You were sweating earlier and now you're cold. I don't know, but you're here in the flesh. But there's so much more for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. There's another realm. Amen? In this very room, there are other people. There are other beings with us currently. For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, there's so much more to explore. It's like Narnia, the first movie or the first book. Uh, We're talking about the wardrobe. The kids are 100% in the flesh, in the world, little children having fun, doing their thing, and they go jump into the wardrobe, and they're cramming in there to hide, and then bam, all of a sudden, they're in a completely different place. They're 100% inside the wardrobe, in the flesh, as children, and they're 100% in the world of Narnia, exploring everything that there is to do at the same time. Right? It's just like that. There's so much more to what we're experiencing than what you are seeing right now. If you don't have eyes to see, you're going to think that this is all that there is to life, right? But if you have eyes to see, and I would say even if you just have a tiny bit of hunger inside of your heart to begin to see, that's enough. He's going to come and meet you with that hunger. He's going to open your eyes and allow you to begin to see. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. It says that God raised us up and he seated us with him in the heavenly places. Did you know that right now at this very moment you are sitting in your chair in Oklahoma City and at the exact same moment you are sitting with Christ in the heavenly places. What? This doesn't make sense. I don't understand. But this is reality okay? Your five senses are not reality. There's a whole other world if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. This is the gospel of the kingdom, right? So there's a few places in the scriptures where it kind of pokes through, and you see the two worlds collide and clash, and it's just like mind-boggling. One of them is in Exodus. Uh, This is chapter 24 on Mount Sinai. So Moses has gone up the mountain. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me, but this last couple of weeks I was rereading it all. Moses went up and down, like up and down, up and down, up and down Sinai in this one little period of time, so many times. <laughs> I was like, oh, this poor guy. Like, probably like after the fourth time, I'm thinking Moses is like, God, we need an elevator. Like, why? He's like, come up here and talk to me, and then go back down and tell them, and then come back up here and then go down here. And go. It's like, geez. <laughs> So Moses goes up, and Mount Sinai, all of Israel is down below. They've been released out of Egypt. They've walked through the Red Sea. They've seen amazing things now. And now God ascends. He descends down onto Mount Sinai. His glory enwraps the whole thing with clouds. And it's smoke and fire and lightning and thunder, and it's terrifying and amazing and glorious. And so Moses goes up, he receives the Ten Commandments, he comes back down, he shares with the the nation what the Ten Commandments are, and they're all like, yes, we will do all of these things forever and we'll never mess up. And we know how that goes. Um, But then after that, God says, come on back up. And he's like, okay. And he says, bring the elders. And so the elders and Moses go back up the mountain. And when they get up to the top, this is so cool. It says that when they get up to the top, they look up and they see God's feet Up above them. And beneath God's feet, it says there's sapphire like the heavens is what it says. So it says sapphire like, uh, pavement like sapphire. I'm saying it all wrong. Pavement of sapphire like the heavens. So does anybody own a sapphire? I don't think I do. Rachel does. (laughs) So I do. Um, But just imagine (laughs) pavements pavement of sapphire as clear as the heavens and then you can see God's feet right beneath it what would you do <laughs> I would fall on my face and probably just die just be done like that's crazy but this is beautiful moment where you see the two realms like bam wow there's so much more so much more for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear amen Another time, we talked about it and we sang about it, which I love that song. But Elisha, okay, he saw, he was a seer. He was constantly, like, aware where he was going. And so they wake up in the morning, and they're surrounded by this army to capture them and take them into prison because they've made this king mad. And so he opens his eyes, and he sees the army, and his servant is freaking out. And he says, God, just open it. He's like, oh, you can't see. Oh my gosh, you should see this. God, we love see. Bam. And then you can see the army of God surrounding the king's army. I love it. Graham Cook, he is, well, it's been a long time since we did it. He probably still says it, but I heard this 20 years ago. And Graham Cook says, look at your enemy in the face. Close your eyes. Picture the battlefield. Picture their armor. Picture their weapons. Picture everything that they are. Picture how big this big scary enemy is. And then I want you to see with eyes that can see the reality, because right behind your enemy is an angel of the Lord ready to go to war for you. And they're exponentially bigger, exponentially stronger than any of your enemies that you're facing. Amen. And in that moment, then we can just laugh. He says, oh, that's amazing. Look at that little doll enemy. It's going to get trashed by the angel of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. My trust is totally in you. Right? So you can see this moment where it, it peeks through the, the veil, you know. And the, in that moment, Elisha says, God, we blind the enemy. And bam, the entire enemy goes blind in a moment. And they freak out. There's chaos ensue. Elisha goes up to him. He's like, who y'all looking for? Oh, Elisha? Yeah, no, no, you're in the wrong place. You got the wrong house, man. Guys, come with me. And he grabs him by the hand, and he leads him in this big chain of people directly into Israel's hands. (laughs) It's awesome. All right, another place where it peeks through, Moses' tabernacle. This was super practical, and I love the practicality of God, especially when we're talking about the kingdom, because it's so hard to wrap your head around. But With Moses' tabernacle, God gave him blueprints from heaven. Exactly, exactly the specific details. How big, what type of skin, how wide, and just all of the brilliant building details to create the tabernacle of heaven as it is on the earth so that the people could engage with God in a way that was safe pre-Jesus. Amen? And he still does that today. One of my favorite uh, stories about the practicality of the kingdoms is there's this bow maker, uh, hunting bow. Matthew's bow. Anybody ever heard of them? So Matthew's bow is considered to be one of the best bows. And this guy loves Jesus. And he's trying to invent this bow and tweak it and mess with it and get it fixed. And in the night, the Lord wakes him up like at 2 in the morning or something. And he opens his eyes and he can see a scroll sitting above his head while he's laying down in bed. And he sees these hands open the scroll and begin to draw out a bow and arrow. And exactly all of the details, like all the patent files, like all the stuff you need to create this bow. He draws it all. He sketches it. He looks, he draws, he looks, he draws, he looks, he draws. He wakes up and he gets and he starts to work and he invents this bow, which turns out to be one of the best bows in the whole wide world. Amen? The practicality of God breaking into our earth in in, in ways like that, it blows me away. But for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it's available. And there's so much more. Amen? So Jesus longs for us to know the realities of us being in the flesh fully and being with him. Jesus, he lived in that reality. And I I don't want to say Jesus cheated because maybe that's sin, but Jesus cheated. (laughs) He lived in heaven. He saw the world created. He created the world, for crying out loud. And then he comes to the earth as a person. He lived fully in that reality. So as he's a 16-year-old teenager watching his father be a carpenter, he's also watching his father in the heavenlies. And he knows that even though, while he's a 16-year-old, and it feels like this has nothing to do with spirituality or saving the planet or any of this stuff, He fully understood that in the mundane parts of his life, it completely affected all of eternity still. Right? And it's so easy to look at advancing the kingdom of God as, you know, planting churches or doing mission trips or like only the spiritual stuff. But I want you guys this morning to realize in the mundane parts of your life, oftentimes you are advancing the kingdom of God in the most practical, simple ways that don't feel like it. But if your faith is in God, if you're listening to him, and if you're paying attention to what he's saying, you can be changing eternity. So um, for me personally, I thought I would be doing, doing church work. That was like the goal of my life. God, I want to advance the kingdom of God by being a pastor and plant a church. And Rachel and I would do it together, and it will be so fun. And I will be a full-time church guy, and that's all we're going to do with our time. Because that was the kingdom to me. And then in 2015, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Grant. I don't want that i said what do you mean you don't want that that is advancing the gospel like that that's it that's it like that's you know and he's like no that's not it what are you talking about he said to me i want you to not work full-time in the church he said i never want to pay you from the church is me not rachel me i never want to pay you from the church i want to use that money and launch a whole bunch of other people into ministry And I want you to dream of a business that you can put together and you can fully hand over to me and I can pour out my blessings upon. He's like, I want to pour out my blessings, but you don't have a vessel for me to pour something into. So I want you to dream of a business you can hand over to me and I can pour out my blessings on. And you'll have plenty of time to do church and you'll have plenty of time to do the work. And you'll meet tons of other people and we'll launch a lot of other people into ministry. And at this time in 2015, I was like, Lord, No, that does not sound fun. Like, that's a bad idea. I want to, like, change the earth for Jesus. I want to do business. But it was clear as day, like, bam, this is what you're supposed to do. And, you know, so I have this real estate brokerage. And um, today, looking back, you couldn't pay me enough money to go back and change it any other way. But over the last several years, there's been many days where I'm, like, working hard all day on the phone, working on some real estate deal that is not eternal and i don't care about for (laughs) the king jesus right and i'm like lord this does not feel like i'm advancing the gospel of the kingdom this feels like i'm just taking care of this this very earthly deal but what he always reminds me is he's like grant there's so much more to this story all right There's so much more to this story than what's happening today. Your obedience to say yes to me in this ridiculously practical way on the earth that feels like it has nothing spiritual to do with it, down the road, there's going to be tremendous influence to change the kingdom of God around the earth. And so I work, I pour out my life and my time and my heart to serve the Lord through something that seems not kingdom at all knowing that the Lord's spoken that there's a bigger purpose, right? And I just say that to encourage all of you guys, because sometimes it can feel like I'm in the middle of it. I am, I'm like advancing the, the kingdom. Yes, I'm doing it. But then most of your life, I'm going to guess, feels like, God, I love you. Here I am. And he's like, pay the bills. Or, you know, do, do the normal things. And it doesn't feel as as eternal, right? It doesn't feel as special, but you need to see and have eyes to see the bigger picture. Jesus, when he's sixteen years old, hammering something into the wall, is changing eternity because of his obedience to what the Lord's called him to do. Because the Lord has the bigger picture. you are with me? So, let's continue. I like to picture the kingdom um, as a twelve hundreds, thirteen hundreds, medieval. Um, Kingdom, like like Camelot or if you've seen the movie Tangled, they have this um, they have this kingdom. they've got this really cool castle and they've got the king's walls, you know and there's all these people that live in there and there's business that happens in there and there's people that live there and it's a fun place to be. Uh, we're not going to talk about the I guess the animals would be like heaven, you know like animals talk in heaven. okay. Um, I like to picture it like that. And in the kingdom of God, in the spiritual realm, The father lives in the house. The prince lives in the house. And you have knights who are like on mission, serving the Lord, doing the king's work. And you have people who live in the house to serve the king. And they're just there to... To serve them to do whatever the king wants they're there to do it and then you have some people who don't live in the castle but they come in and out all the time doing the king's bidding and then you have other people who run businesses inside of the kingdom inside of the walls and they see the king and they're familiar with the king and they enjoy the the friendship of the king and then there's other people who live way on the outskirts of the kingdom they're still inside the walls but they don't really want to talk to the king too much and they just kind of go about their life and they do their thing Probably that's the majority of believers in the world, you know, just kind of like they're in the kingdom, but they're not really like they're just living their life inside the kingdom. And then you have other people who are outside of the walls and they don't want anything to do with coming inside of the kingdom. I like to picture it like that because it's it's helpful for me to look and say, okay, in this spiritual world that sometimes is so hard to wrap your head around, where am I today inside of that kingdom? Am I a prince? And every day I have dinner with the king, and I'm with him, and I'm serving him, and I'm doing great adventures. Am I a knight where I am, I'm not like family, but I'm really close, and I'm working hard for him? Or am I just a, a business person out here? Or am I a pauper who's homeless inside the kingdom because I won't go into the house? But the invitation is there for every single person, everybody in the room, to become like the prince, to become the son or the daughter of the king and to live in the household, right? So take a moment, imagine for yourself, where do you fit inside of that picture? Are you inside the castle? Or are you close? And, the, and I want you to realize the invitation is to come into the castle and to be like a prince and to do the bidding of the father and of the king in your daily life. But still, that is way too vague and way too difficult to, to think of in your life. Daily, practical life. So again, what is the gospel of the kingdom? How do you advance the gospel of the kingdom? So, two scriptures that come to mind. The first one, both are with Moses, because I've just been reading a lot of Moses. Um, Exodus. Moses is living his life. He had it all, and he lost it all. Moses is gone, he's run away, and now he's literally a Nobody. Nobody has a clue who he is. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. He has a wife. He's got a family. And most of his life is spent in the middle of nowhere with nobody taking care of sheep. And that's his existence. He doesn't have desires of greatness that we can tell. He doesn't. That's it. That's his whole life. He's unprepared for anything of greatness. He's definitely not advancing the kingdom of God. But in that moment, even in that place, God sees him and God shows up. And God sparks the fire on the bush. And God speaks to him and says, I've got a plan for you. Let's change eternity together. And he tells him he wants to go to the Pharaoh and to release the people. Which is amazing. And can't you imagine that Moses in that moment is like, oh, no, time out. Like, hold on. Before I go to Pharaoh, I would be willing, but I need some. I need like a letter of recommendation. So let me go become friends with some other kings, and maybe they can like send him a text message and let him know I'm coming, you know. And then let me go save some money and buy a nice suit so I can go into the, the Pharaoh's presence, and he'll actually listen to me. Maybe I take some classes on how to speak or maybe I go learn some new tricks so he'll really pay attention to. And Moses is thinking like all these things, I am so not the one you want me to go. And Moses tries to weasel his way out of doing what the Lord wants. But God says, no, this is what I have for you. This is how we're advancing the kingdom. Just say yes, amen? So Moses says yes and he goes in and of course we all know the story. But I love this because Moses is 100% in the mundane, super boring like, life, he does not have eyes to see. But the Lord poked through, and the Lord spoke to him and called him out. And all Moses did was simply say yes. He heard God, and he said yes, even when it made zero sense to him at all. And it completely changed everything on the earth and everything in the heavenlies and prepared the way for us to be in the family of God. Isn't that amazing? Because one guy said yes. So for you, that can be your story. If you feel like you are not advancing the gospel of the kingdom at all, and you're just doing life, and you're like glad you barely made it here today, this can be your story as well. If you let God speak to you, listen to his voice, and ask him, God, what is it? How can I advance the kingdom? And then when he speaks to you, grab it with all of your heart. And no matter if you don't feel like you have what it takes to do what he's called you to do, grab it with all of your heart and just say yes. And then God will show up and do the most amazing things in you. And he will use you to change his kingdom on the earth and in the heavenlies. Amen? So there's another scripture, uh, Exodus 23:22, or 20. Exodus 23:20. 20. And so at this point, the plagues have come. And the Lord has done all this amazing work to release Israel out of Egypt. And did you know that when they were released, God was ready to take them directly to the promised land? And did you know that the promised land was very close to where they currently were? But, and God was ready to fight for them on their behalf and to do everything he had to do to get them to occupy the promised land. But you know what he couldn't fight against? He could not fight against their mindset of doubt, okay? God could fight. He could kill everybody. He could do all the stuff. But if his people didn't trust him, he couldn't do it. And so instead of taking them the quick way, so let's say this is Egypt, and this is where they want to go. Instead of taking them the quick way, God has to take them the long way to prepare and change their mindset. So God's like, it's cool. We'll go the other way. It's fine. We'll we'll work on that faith thing. We'll go the super-duper-duper long way. And they go the other direction, and guess what's there? A freaking ocean to walk through to get past where they're trying to go. But God's like, oh, no big deal. That's a good chance to change their mindset. Help them understand. And God opens the sea and walks them across the sea. And then he feeds them miraculously from the sky. And then he brings water out of a rock. And he trains them to believe that God can provide for them no matter what it is. Right? So he's changing their minds so that they can begin to fight. But God needs them to fight. God's going to fight on their behalf, but he needs them to fight. So this Exodus 23, this is before they've destroyed their lives. Um, They still have hope of entering the promised land right away. They go in, and it says that the angel of the Lord was going to lead them into the enemy's territory. Because God God wanted to advance the kingdom practically on the earth and in the heavenlies. But he needed them to go into the area of darkness, and God was going to send his angel to lead them directly into the enemy's territory to fight. And here's what I think is fascinating. So they have the mindset now, God's going to fight on their behalf, but it is still warfare. So the practicality of advancing the kingdom of God, when they said yes to follow him, the practicality was war. War. Like there were still going to be dead people. There was still going to be blood and and fighting and difficult circumstances. It was war. And the angel led them directly into that place. And as they begin to fight the people, God made sure that they understood this is completely tied to what's happening in the heavens. So this is the story where they go to fight for the first time, and Moses realizes when he puts his hands up, they win, and the enemy loses. <clears throat> and when his, feet, when his hands go down they begin to lose. And so they bring rocks over and they sit on rocks and they hold Moses' hands up the whole time until the battle is done because God had to completely tie their victory in advancing the kingdom of God on the earth to what God was doing in the heavenlies. Amen? (coughs) So for you, I would say the Lord wants to advance his kingdom practically through you. But it may look different than it looks for other people and that's okay He's going to make sure that he fights for you and he helps you and he provides for you and he protects for you. If you are on mission with him advancing his kingdom, those are the promises for you that he's going to provide for you, protect you, fight for you. He's going to be with you. But you have to say yes. You have to be willing to step out there and obey him, even when you don't feel like you're ready to do it. All right, last thing is um, a few years ago, the Lord gave me this analogy um, is about a potter in a vase. So, the potter, when a potter makes a vase, he knows exactly in his mind what he's wanting to create. He knows the type of material he needs, he knows how big it's gonna be, he knows how long it's gonna take him to put this vase together. And so, he appropriates the right things to be able to do that. So let's say he wants to make a vase that's gonna sit in front of his ballroom, and there's gonna be thousands of people that look at this vase, they put these gorgeous flowers in it, and it's this beautiful thing. So the potter designs this vase, he puts it in in the right spot, and his full pleasure is inside of that vase when when the vase is doing what it's made to do. But then the next day, he wants a soy sauce dish, because the father's favorite food is sushi. Okay, we're pretending. The potter's favorite food is sushi. And so he needs a soy sauce dish. So it's not going to take a ton of time. It's not going to take a ton of resources. It's going to be quick and simple and basic. But he loves this dish with all of his heart because it completes his meal, right? So when the problem in the church today is when believers take what they've been created to be by God and they look at somebody else and say, oh, well, they are like this. I should be like this. So the full pleasure of the potter is in the vase when it's in the right spot. The full pleasure of the potter is in the soy sauce dish when it's in the right spot. When the the dish looks at the vase to try to become the vase, the full pleasure of the potter is no longer there. Let me say it another way. The full rewards that that the vessel could receive from the father are not there when it tries to be something that it's not designed to be. Amen? So... If you are called to be an evangelist and you're called to save a million people and at the end of the life of your life, you've seen a thousand people come to the Lord and you did not fulfill your potential. But you saw a thousand people come to Jesus. My conviction is that when you get to heaven, your rewards will be based on what the Lord created you to do and how much of your potential did you fulfill. And so the person who saves a thousand people, from my perspective, could end up with less rewards in eternity than the person who is designed to be the most amazing mom in the whole wide world and maybe they never lead anybody to Christ. Maybe they never start a Bible study. Maybe they never start a church. Maybe they never do anything super spiritual, but they 110% gave it their all, what God called them to do, and they fulfilled their plan in eternity according to God's heart. I think that person will end up with more riches in heaven as a result. Okay? So then the question is, what are you designed to do? What is the mission of God for you? And there can be no comparison with other people. You have to have the blinders on and just say, God, what did you make me for? Why am I on the earth? I want to wholeheartedly embrace what you gave to me, and I'm going to do it with all of my heart because I want those rewards. I want to serve you. I want the full pleasure of the potter inside of me. And then when he calls you, when you have that moment of the burning bush and you feel like, What am I doing? I'm just taking care of these sheep and nobody sees me and nobody knows I'm here. And uh, But then the Lord speaks. When that moment happens, you have to say yes with all of your heart and do not give up. And even when you say yes and you're moving forward in your yes and it feels like you're not changing eternity, you have to have eyes to see the bigger picture of what the Lord's called you to do. Amen? So stand up for me. I want to pray for you guys so father we thank you we just thank you for the gospel of the kingdom the good news of the kingdom we love your kingdom we love to be in your kingdom for every single person who feels like they are the pauper in the kingdom or they're not even inside the walls of the kingdom, God, I'm, I'm asking that you would send your angels to go draw them into your house because we thank you that the invitation is wide open to become sons and daughters in your household serving you. Let it be, God. Every person in the room, every person who hears this, draw them deep into your heart. And then, God, I'm asking for those who feel like They're in the middle of nothing. They're in the middle of the mundane. They're in the wilderness. Nobody sees them. Nobody knows that they're there. They're just going about their life, paying the bills, surviving. God, I'm asking that you would show up and you would speak to them, that they would have eyes to see the supernatural. They would have eyes to see the bigger picture of your kingdom on the earth and in the heavenlies and how it's affecting everything around them. And that when you speak to them, they would have ears to hear your voice and they wholeheartedly would say yes to you. They would embrace your call and they would pour out their lives to do the thing that you've called them into. And that they would pay attention every time it moves, every time it shifts, every time you go in a different direction. Help them to pay attention to those things as well. So I bless them with open eyes. I bless them with open ears to see the kingdom of God, the bigger picture, and to surrender completely to you so that they wholeheartedly fulfill all that they're called to do in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys. So there's our pad. So the next several weeks will be fun as we drop some, some cans down and we dig up and see what, what the Lord has for us. We love you guys. Mark your calendars for that Passover dinner because it is really awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun, but you've got to tell us you're coming, so we've got food for you. Have an amazing week in your groups. We love you.